Pepper for Your Steak is an adult podcast for those age 25 years and older. Scientists and doctors tell me that's the age your frontal cortex is finally fully formed. Whatever that means. Supposedly, this is the age that your brain is finished cooking. I'm not recommending anything in here. I certainly don't accuse anybody of anything. This is not any medical information. This is all a work of fiction, fantasy, and entertainment. Enjoy. All right, Maverick Matthews, Pepper for Your Steak. This is an interview with my friend, Jim Gale. Jim is involved in a project called Food Forest Abundance. You can check that out at foodforestabundance.com. And this episode contains actionable information for how you can start growing your own food right now. It doesn't matter what kind of experience you have in the past. This is extremely actionable stuff. Now, I know I promised a podcast about health coming out soon. That podcast is still in the works. But because the, the global narrative of food shortage and famine is absolutely ramping up, I mean, at this point, you would have to have your head under a rock or underground to not, to not notice that the narrative of global food shortage is it's, it's kind of seeming to be a pretty big reality. And already we're seeing, you know, of course, we've seen baby food shortages, things like that. But, you know, places like Panama, Sri Lanka, you know, what's happening with the farmers in the Netherlands. This is very timely information. So check it out. It's an incredible interview. Go to maverickmatthews.com for more information. Here is my interview with Jim Gale. Pepper for your steak. We thought we had something different here, you see. See, we live in both a very fragile and precious experiment in democracy, and we live in an empire that is experiencing profound decline. Reptile. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like, the reptilian agenda. Okay, well, let's talk about the reptiles. So you're saying the reptilians are luring humans to, like, Hawaii to, vaca- to vacation spots? The news there to scare white people. I've said this for years. Because you know, to live this life, you can't live the life everyone else lives. You're not going to be partying on the weekends. You're going to be performing on the weekends. You're not going to be watching the big uh, game on a Thursday night because you'll be in a club. You have to have that mindset that you don't belong... You don't go to the rhythm of the rest of the world. Pepper for your steak. I'm back with my buddy Jim Gale here. Jim, tell these people who you are. Well, thank you so much, Maverick. Well, my name is Jim Gale. Jim means to defeat, overthrow, or supplant, and Gale means strong win. I am here. It is my destiny to do everything in my power to blow the winds of freedom and to supplant the current unethical, unsustainable, ignorant, and evil government that is controlling our world today. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming back on. The last talk we had was awesome. You've become kind of a, almost kind of a mentor of mine, I would say. Um, I really appreciate your energy and charisma, and um, yeah, man, you've just been a really positive influence in my life, so it's really awesome to have you back today. Well, thank you, brother. I love you, man, and, and I really appreciate you helping spread the word, because we have the solutions to all of the world's biggest problems, and it's shows like this that get these solutions out to the world. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, we are kind of looking at some sort of intimidating dystopian times with headlines about cannibalism. Did you see that in the New York Times? Oh, yeah. It's, in, it's mind-boggling what's all going on. I mean, this... <laughs> You know what the thing that blew my mind more than anything is just in the last few weeks, I've become aware and seen it on mainstream that now there are computers that are claiming to be sentient. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah, man. It's intimidating. So let's unpack that a little bit. So For you've sure. Got AI, right, which both Elon Musk and um, that guy Hawking, the guy in the wheelchair, both of them and many other people said Curves that the wild, number you know. one risk to humanity is AI. Yeah. Right? So now you've got a computer claiming to be sentient. Now, if one computer is claiming to be sentient, that means computers all around the world are all part of the same system through the internet, right? Through right. The, they're all connected. So now 
you look at this, and then you look at BlackRock, which owns the computer called Aladdin. Aladdin is the computer that controls the global financial system. $21 trillion was managed by Aladdin last year. That's pretty nuts. And of course, BlackRock, Vanguard, these guys are all buying up everything public, probably related to this, you're not going to own anything. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. So now you've got a sentient claiming computer. Now, I don't believe that. Right? I don't believe that AI can all of a sudden have a soul or a spirit, right? And, and these are belief systems of mine. I don't know a lot of stuff about this, so I'm not claiming this is fact. But it's very curious to me that you've got a sentient claiming computer that is now controlling the world's financial systems, and it becomes a parasite. Black rock has become a parasite sucking the energy out of humanity. And what do I mean by that? Well, humanity is productive. We produce value. And the people who control the value production of humanity is actually run by a computer who has the ability to make financial bets that are split seconds that they can determine the trend of any particular movement in the market and they can suck the energy out. So that, it's it's like a parasite on humanity. I mean, we're talking about an entity which could potentially analyze things at such a rate, it would be the equivalent to us seemingly of like predicting the future because they could analyze all history, all human habits, all human behavior. I mean, it really is something intimidating to overcome. You know, but um, I do believe that the one thing that, that you know, I don't believe, and this is also part of my belief system, you have these robots like the one named after Van Gogh, which supposedly creates art. I don't believe they will ever match us in terms of creativity and innovation, in terms of like inventive, inventing new things. So wh- what's our what's our move here? I mean... Well, so I'm glad you asked that because there's two basically Hollywood narratives, right? The narrative that we're looking at on the His Story channel, right, is all about the end of the world and doomsday and all these mega bad things happening. And then you look at the show Terminator where (laughs) AI became self-aware. And I think that was the exact word they used in Terminator. And then... You look at the movie War Games, that one with Matthew Broderick back, right? Where they encouraged the computer to play itself in tic-tac-toe. And that tic-tac-toe represented nuclear war. And the computer figured out, after playing tic-tac-toe a bazillion times against itself, that there was no winning. That's right. You know, so what that represented is a computer saying, okay, wait a minute. We're not going to annihilate the planet. So I think it's kind of fun to put this idea out there. And the idea is so radically simple. In fact, Victor Hugo said there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world. And that is an idea whose time has come. Well, if governmente or mind control is the problem, then lightmente or enlightenment is the solution. Yes. Right? And what is enlightenment? It's so simple. It's an idea. A light bulb goes off in your head. And where do they come from? Well, you alluded to it a second ago. Spirit or source or something divine. That's it. And, and my part of my belief system is that, you know, one of the perversions of religion is, is to go away from the idea that love is, you know, somehow also spiteful. And, and I just don't believe that. It's a creative force. It's a combinatory force. And it does nothing but create things out of the chaos and of course there has to be an op- opposing force that's what takes things apart so that those raw materials are available to be constructed and there's a weird kind of balance in my mind and i'd love your thoughts on this it seems like this ai thing might be just an expression of that chaotic force and perhaps we are here to balance it nah, i love how you think about that exactly friction there would not be life without friction in every way Right, the chaos, the this this thing that we're up against is causing us 
to ask new questions. Yes. It's causing society, humanity to go deep and say, this is not working. It's like the rock bottom for every addict. Yes. Right? When you finally get to a place of rock bottom where your ego, and, and not from a, a good place, but from the place of fear and scarcity and destruction and shame and humiliation and rage, when that ego melts apart or be, becomes destroyed by the suffering, Right, the contrast is the most important thing for the growth of humanity. That's it. It's the crucible. Yes. Man, so so okay, so you are the eternal optimist. I've always loved that about you. Do you think things are going to get dark for a while? I mean, do you think there will be expressions of this? I mean, not to be all negative or anything, but I'm just curious no. because I, I am a realist. No. I want people to be able to prepare psychologically for the challenges ahead. I do think we have significant challenges. One of the headlines I was talking about in another podcast with Nick Hitton was there was a robot the other day that was playing chess with a seven-year-old and the, the seven-year-old moved too quickly and it reached out and broke his finger. This was a mainstream headline. So I'm pretty sure... Whoa. Yeah, man. It, this is a historic moment. I'm pretty sure this is the first time that like a sentient robot injured a human. Um, wh how do you see this playing out? Okay, so I think the question is, you know, will we experience suffering? The majority of the world right now is suffering yes. more than humanity has ever suffered. That's it. Right? So, and those people who are suffering are trying to hold on to the current programming and paradigm, which is being absolutely destroyed and falling apart right in front of their eyes, even though they can't see it. For those of us who see it, we can help direct our energy into a raised vibration, a vibration of faith and courage and joy and love. And we can demonstrate, become the demonstrators of a freedom mindset, an enlightened mindset. And then we can literally take that demonstration to the physical world. And that's what our company is all about, is helping people create the physical reality of health and wellness and freedom. I love it, man. Becoming biologically sovereign as a demonstration. Yes. So let's talk about that. How how can the what's actionable right now? What can you what are you teaching people that is actionable? Actionable. The number one thing is to to step into nature, to take a few deep and conscious, intentional breaths, and then be present. Yes. When we are present and we are in nature. There's a sentient, there's a feeling of connectedness. Yes. In fact, I was just watching a TV show called How to Change Your Mind. Have you seen this one? No. Oh, bro, it's mind-blowing. So it's on Netflix, and I've known most of the stuff that I saw on the TV show, but the way they put it all together, it's about the use of plant medicines like psilocybin and yes. ayahuasca and other things, and even other um, things that like different MDMA and things. Um, my favorite is psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms. Now, this plan has been made illegal. And when you look at the history, very much like cannabis, about why these plants were made illegal, it's because you cannot control a mind that is free from programming. Yes. And that's what these chemicals do is they help us blow our programming away. They help us blow the arrogance of ego away so we can simply be present. And so that's literally why they made these illegal. Totally. I, so, you know, a lot of people use the analogy um, that, you're, that your habits are kind of like grooves in a record. But it's a poor analogy because if you really understand neuroplasticity, these grooves can be rewritten. But it just takes, you know, a lot of work and focus. Um, and I've totally had some mind, mind and life-changing spiritual experience on psilocybin. I've had the the experience on MDMA of ego dissolution, um, where you get to really evaluate all your choices without that, you know, that kind of toxin. Unfortunately, I mean, it does absolutely serve a purpose, but you know, we all have to understand the role each one of these components plays in our psyche and how easily the ego grows out of control and becomes this dominating force. And unfortunately the materialism, you know, and so much of our society is, is revolves around feeding that force to, to overcome the other spiritual forces in your psyche. So 
Exactly. Do, do you right. study yoga? I I do. Um, more breath work. I'm oh, a, yeah. I'm big into breath work, and and I love yoga as well. I just like breath work a, a little. That's my that's my modality. Absolutely. I mean, I love breath work. One of the things I wanted to say is that, like, unfortunately, that everything is being attacked, and it has you know there has yes. been an attack on everything. And so you see, I'm a big student of yoga. Studied it for over a decade. Finally got back into it. Um, but one thing I've noticed is that even yoga is being perverted. And no disparagement on people who love Pilates, but yoga is meant to be a slow, meditative experience yes. so you can connect with your body. And when you speed it up and ramp it up into this like aerobic exercise, fast-moving thing, you're missing the entire point. Yeah. And, and really deeply connecting to the world, if you have a great yoga instructor, for example, they'll caution you. They'll say, hey, you know, this might unlock feelings in your body that you've been out of touch with for a while. So if you yeah. need to, go back into child's pose, be quiet, honor your feelings. If you need to cry, cry, and let them come. One of the most important things I learned from what my, my Buddhist teacher, Jack Cornfield was that nothing, no station emotionally is permanent as long as you remain dynamic. So you can go through those stations, honor them, and let them pass. Yep. And, and that's Gosh. the same thing with this AI stuff, man. This is a station we're going to have to enter. It's going to be uncomfortable. And... Uh, you know, fortunately, I believe that it will pass. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it's going to be uncomfortable in the moments where we're focused on the scarcity, That's on the uncomfortableness of it. Now, is it possible that all of a sudden the Chinese army of the UN or something comes yeah. knocking at our doors? It, it is based on what history shows us that that there, there could be some of those things. Now, I also believe that no matter what is presented – if we are able to always focus on the forward motion, we, we don't have to live in fear. We can experience fear for a brief moment because it, fear helps us to awaken to the moment, right? But living in fear is a completely different thing, right? So we awaken to the present moment and then fear, if we continue to feel fear, fear is a contraction of the spirit. It's a contraction of imagination and of wellness and of life. So the moment we notice a new particular thing, we then take that fear and we let that go. We breathe into the present. And then from the present moment, with a clear mind, we can set an intention to solve the problem, whatever is before us. And that's the only way, by the way, to creatively solve a problem. It's with a clear mind. I love that contraction, you know, analogy. Like this is something I've noticed and I've been studying fear as a teacher a lot lately and anxiety and uh, it's it's so interesting. Everything contracts and expands. Your heart contracts and expands. But what happens when a muscle contracts and then doesn't expand? We call that a cramp. In my you know, in my current view, we're being encouraged to believe that the contracting component is not natural that you need to medicate it away, that you should be afraid of it, that you should escape it as quickly as you can instead of honoring it. And that's why we have, I don't know, 60% of our country on some kind of psych meds because they're being oh, taught gosh. that this contracting is abnormal and it's not. These things it's exist not. within us specifically to, to teach us things as guideposts when we're doing the wrong thing, when we're, when we're ignoring things we need to deal with, when we're running away from problems instead of addressing them, and, and people are medicating them away instead of truly waiting for the expansion. Exactly. You know, there's a great book. It's called Molecules of Emotion. Mm. I believe it was Candace Perp, an MIT gal who found out and who demonstrated using scientific method that the emotions can get stored in the tissue of the body. The emotions actually have a physical signature. Mm. And if we medicate and we do not feel, we do not allow the emotion to actually make its way through the body and out, right? And this is what PTSD, this is what all sorts of issues are from. It's by suppressing the movement of that energy in motion. That's so interesting because you can see that in Eastern medicine about, you know, the energy movements, chi, you know, the flow of things. And, and by suppressing it, it gets stuck and creates illness. Yes. It's dis-ease, which always turns to disease over time. It's so funny because when it comes to, like, my opinions on nutrition and health, one of the main things I teach people is you, there's so many different ways to approach it. But you, no matter how you choose to approach it, 
you have to incorporate something which forces the blood to flow at a high rate for a while so that you can get rid of things and so you can bring good things to the parts that need them. And so like for me, it's running, you know? And, yep. and after I circulate my blood, man, it's, it, it's amazing. It's a, it's a pond that has no longer been stagnant. You know, it's, it's yeah. all of a sudden the water might be turbulent slightly just afterwards, but it becomes clear again. Yep. I love it. For me, it's tennis. I have gotten into Same tennis thing. I'm crazy about it. Well, people don't realize how exhausting tennis is. Oh, yes. I, I love tennis. too. It's so crazy. It's so in the moment. Exactly. I mean, like you're constantly, and it's so engaging with your mind too. You know, really, trail running has, is is really my thing because you can't just run on a road. Your mind kind of turns off, and you're like blah blah. Yeah. But if you're on a trail, you're constantly having to adjust to the terrain. On a tennis court, same thing. You're constantly having to move. You're having to anticipate. You're having to think ahead. What am I going to do with this? But honestly, I think most people look at tennis and they go, "Oh yeah, that's not that hard." Tennis is ex- one of the most exhausting sports. Oh, uh, that's probably why I love it because I there's something about when everything's moving so fast and something happens and I'm like, man, I didn't do that. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, automatic. Yeah, that's so so much fun, dude. I have I hope we can get onto a court sometime. That'd be awesome. Um, be. Tell us about what's going on. Okay, so you know, I haven't talked at all on this show about your crypto. Break it out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'll give you just a uh, 10 second background on we launched Food Forest Abundance 15 months ago with three people. We now have 988 Abundance Ambassadors, Whew. 140 Food Forest Cooperative Partners, and 40 Permaculture Designers. And so it's going absolutely exponential. We're bringing in all of these, we're attracting, we're inspiring the collaboration of all of these world leaders like david holmgren was on our show not too long ago he's one of the founders of permaculture awesome joel salatin who has proven that the whole cow fart narrative is absolutely insane which of course most people already know that yeah right unless they watch too much cnn (laughs) but this narrative he says bs he said on my farm and he's demonstrated this for decades I can make way more money per acre. I can employ more people and I build soil all at the same time. And because our, the, my cattle and, and then the chickens and the pigs, they're grazers. They will eat the grass, which is a carbon sink right now. The fact that the whole narrative is BS, right? It's a control narrative. However, even for those who think that this narrative is true, cows grazed and used in this proper permaculture way, which mimics nature, are actually the solution to climate change. It's so... <laughs> so, so anyway, so we're bringing in all these amazing people, and we are expanding, and then I start asking the question, you know, this whole idea of digital assets. I, I, um, I own some, and I'm glad I bought them. I bought them for one reason. Well, two reasons. One is I like the idea of decentralized currency. Now, I'm aware that they are not truly decentralized, but they're partially decentralized. The other reason I bought them is simply to gamble. And I've done okay, right? I bought a long time ago, so I've probably tripled my money. But a lot of people in the last few years have just lost 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, even 100%. And I look at the market cap on cryptos. What is it, like $2 trillion or something? Doji alone, I think, is at a trillion. I think so. So now, look at if, if that trillion dollars was actually invested in creating sustainable, decentralized food production, we would have a million, million-dollar food forest education centers or permaculture nurseries around the world. A million times a million, I believe, is a trillion. Yeah. That would radically change the world. That would be abundance everywhere. So then I thought, okay, so how do we incentivize? How? Because, you know, like Bitcoin, it's born as a liability to society. It's an energy expense. Yep. And it's a time expense. So what if 
we create a digital asset that's actually born in abundance. People are like, what are you talking about? Well, what if we create a digital asset that is literally farmed instead of mined? So every digital asset that goes out to society is the result of somebody growing food ethically, which means no poisons, and then using a, a, a very simple caloric table of the value of food, we can then put these these digital assets into the hands of the producers of our society simply for their commitment to grow food for society. Yes. Now we just radically changed the nature of the asset. So instead of being born in abundance and, and managed by gamblers and gamers our asset called yield and uh, sprouts and yield coin is born in abundance. It incentivizes growing food and it is stewarded by the producers of our planet. Yes, that is awesome, man. So is this a, is this available now? Is this something people can get? How, how does it work? The Okay, so the NFT part of it, and by the way, it's going to be owned by a DAO, a Decentralized Autonomous Organization. So in other words, it's owned by humanity. And, it, and, and owned is the wrong word. Stewarded is probably the best word that I can use. And we the NFTs are ready. We have NFTs of Bill Molson and um, David Holmgren and many others. And when somebody purchases, and they're beautiful too, when somebody purchases one of these NFTs, all of that money goes directly into putting food in the ground in public places and for the public consumption. The actual yield coin is going to be ready here probably in about three or four months. And that is also going to be yielded. So if somebody commits to growing food ethically, they become the stewards of their coins and then they can use those to trade on the market. And so in other words, a food forest not only is the best thing we could ever do on every other for every other reason, but now they also have they're basically growing their own bank. That is awesome. So where so if I wanted to pick one of these up, where would I go? Where would you recommend someone go? So my partner, uh, Stephen York, who I, I had this idea and then he was referred to me and he's been thinking of a similar concept for years. So uh, we we were working together, and he will have all the details laid out. Most of them are, are pretty much done. But over the next couple months, we will be basically be launching this to the world. If anybody listening wants to get involved now, they should just get a hold of me and at Jim at foodforestabundance.com, and I'll get you in touch with Stephen, and we can get this thing moving even faster. So as far as the NFT goes, are those available for purchase right yes. now? Where can they I get one of those? Are available. Where can we get those? So the best place is to, um, I, you know what, I should get that website. I, so, But just reach out to me, jim at foodforestbuns.com, and I'll, I'll connect you with Stephen York, and then he'll get it all set up. Nice, and if I can throw it in the show notes if you want to send that to me. That'd be awesome. Um, cool. Dude, that's so exciting, man. Like something that is actually backed by food production, you know, yes. and then of course, yes. that's also something that's difficult to, you know, overpower. Whereas if you have a gold reserve, someone can just go to that one place, you know, but like it's, it's by definition not centralized because it's a bunch of different farms. Yeah, exactly. Man, that it, is, it, you, that's you know, awesome. and when I first did this, I'm like, okay, let's turn everything on its head. In permaculture, we like to turn the problem into the solution. So I said, what are the primary objectives of the currency? Now, what is a current? A current is the flow of energy or, you know, of water. And it, what is it held in? It's held in the banks, like the banks of the river, well, the banks of society. So now you've got the energy, the productive energy of society, be, which is the currency that's being, it's energy, right? And it's being held in the banks. And the banks are all controlled by the Fed and by these wicked entities. It's a slave system. So I said, okay, what do we want to do? How can we, how can we turn that problem into the solution? So this currency, the number one thing is to incentivize food production. And in a food supply chain disaster, which we're experiencing now, that's a pretty logical thing. 
and to be completely decentralized. And then the other goal is to supplant the world's currencies and also incentivize collaboration. So with the help of Lemon Graph and Food Forest Abundance and Freedom Farm Academy and all of these different entities, we are coming together to incentivize local regenerative agriculture and this currency becomes an extra very logical layer that helps people in their communities trade directly with the grower to know your farmer in these days and these times to know directly where your food is coming from locally is going to make the difference in a lot of people's lives. So a lot of people don't seem to think that this food production shortage thing is real until they get to the supermarket all of a sudden and you know shelves are empty. Can you give us some insight on that? I can. So so what is the percentage? I just I looked this up on um on, online the other day. The percentage of people who are living paycheck to paycheck. It was 54% and now it's said to be over 70%. Let's just say that it's over 50%, right? So if somebody's living paycheck to paycheck and their food bill goes up by two or three or $400 a month and their gas bill and their energy bill, how are they going to eat? I mean, that's a terrifying, you know, right in line with that statistic. I, I heard the other day that 75% of Americans have $400 or less in their bank account. Right. I mean, there, there you go. That's paycheck to paycheck. That's yeah. So, so now... For, for those of us who can spend the extra $200 a month, uh, you know, we notice it, but it doesn't mean that we're starving. Most of those people who are living paycheck to paycheck are already eating foods that are toxic and yes. poisonous. They're already eating horrible foods. So they're already not getting enough nutrition. Now you just take out another 20, 30% of their food per month, and they're already starving. So in other words, it's not something that's going to happen. It's something that's already happening to a massive degree. And every study I've seen on the wheat and all of the fertilizer, all of it, the cows being brought to market early, the, the millions of cows and pigs and chickens that have been slaughtered in the last two years, the trains getting derailed, the food processing plants getting exploded and, and arson at a rate, by the way, that's radically more than the statistics on the average fire at one of these places per year. So it's all leading up to, you know, and even the criminal UN said two years ago, we are going to experience a famine of biblical proportions. Yeah, and like like you just said, mathematically, the chances of all these negative impacts happening, you know, as part of a normal cycle, mathematically impossible. There's definitely a squeeze going on. Study Russian history, study the Bolshevik Revolution. It's the same game plan they've always used. Squeeze the people, make them suffer, make them beg for a solution, and you can give them any solution you want, even if it's totalitarian and tyrannical. And so, exactly. In order to in, go ahead. Yeah. Well, and it gets layered upon layered upon layered of how insane this is. And I'm going to go to a layer that is going to kind of blow some people away. Yes. But And I'm not even, I don't believe or not believe this, and I don't necessarily know what the intention. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, and please stay with me, everybody, because this you're going to find this interesting. I'm going to talk about the mark of the beast for a second. So... In the Bible, the book of Revelation, it says something like, um, you shall have this mark or you're not going to be able to buy or sell. Right? <laughs> in other words, what was that? Yeah. Right? It says, and it says, what is the mark? It says 666. Okay? So, and, and look that up. You know, look up the mark of the beast and read it for yourself. Everybody, rich or poor, um, slave or free, everybody shall have this mark or they're not going to be able to buy or sell. Which, of course, is food, right? Is one of the, the things. So now you look at this is written supposedly, you know, thousands of years ago or whatever. So now you look at what would need to be the circumstances in humanity for this to be possible, because it says everybody, right? So I, to, to go to six six six. So then you say, okay, there would need to be some type of chaos in society. 
because otherwise people wouldn't be forced to take anything unless they thought they had to or they were going to die, right? Right. So, okay, so do we have chaos in society? Absolutely. To the freaking max. Okay, so that's one piece of the puzzle. Number two is there would need to be a technology that allowed everybody to be contacted, right? That's well, it. Well, check out the trace bill, HR 6666, and it's tracing, reaching, and contacting everyone. This is a law that's on the books that got put in um, Congress a couple years ago. And you can look it up. Look up HR 6666 trace, and, and it's right there. So then, so now you've got the law, you've got the chaos, and you've got the law. Now you'd need some sort of technology. Well, check out Microsoft's patent 2020-666 and read what the patent is about. It's about crypto, uh, digital assets, and human bodily activity. Jesus. Are you kidding? Like, is that epic or what? Right? And then, now, those parts are facts, which anybody can look up right now, and you'll see all these things are true. The Microsoft patent and all. Now, somebody, I've had many people tell me this, say, Jim, they they just, that's just a coincidence. They just happened to be, the bill before that was 6665, and the bill after that was (laughs) 6667. I'm like, okay, so I don't know if that's true. I don't think it is, but even if that is true, then people would recognize that this is very relevant to that whole Mark of the Beast topic. So why don't we just change it? Just, you know, just to be, why don't we just have it be 6669 or something, right? And the same thing goes for the Microsoft patent. Why didn't they just change it to not be? So there's two answers to that that I I can imagine. One is that there's something way more profound kind of spiritual thing going on here, which I know there is, at least from my belief system. The other one is they're trying to create fear. And either one of those are evil and wicked. You know, have you heard of the concept within counterculture of revelation of the method? Oh, gosh, it sounds interesting. Tell me about that. Okay, so the concept in in revelation of the method is that if you're going to do something tyrannical, if you reveal it to the people and they accept it on their own free will, then you absolve yourself of the karmic, you know, repercussions. So the the counterculture people say that this is exactly what all these things are doing. Event 201, you know, the World Economic Forum telling people ahead of time what their evil plans are, telling people we're going to depopulate you with an injection, telling people, you know... We're not going to tell you what's in this jab. We're not going to tell you, you know, what we're doing to you. It's all part of revelation of the method where they're admitting that there is something going on, but you, you're going to accept it anyway because you're scared, but you're the one still doing the accepting. And so it's you on have... you. Okay, so it's very similar to the vampire can't come into your house That's unless it. you invite them in. That's it. Right? Exactly. So here's my theory on that. Fear is the open doorway. Yep. Or or right. fear is the mechanism which which you know gives you the reason to do it. You know. Exactly. Because ultimately exactly. we're in charge of the doorway, right? But right. that's the catalyst where people go, "Okay, I can't handle it. I'm not strong enough. I can't stand the crucible. I'm going to just open the door because it's easier." Oh, yes. <laughs> it's infinitely not easier, but in the moment people don't recognize what's happening. So they let fear and programming, and all fear comes from programming, right? At least the lasting fear, right? Oh, yeah. To be scared not to step on a snake is just wisdom, right? right? But, but, but to hold on to that fear when you get home and you're sitting on your couch and there's no more snake, now that's programming. That's a PTSD experience. So, so well, then the solution and then this is where it gets to be another level of clue. Because I, I believe that we are spirit playing a divine game. Like we're God playing a game with ourselves. It's a game of expansion. So then the clue is faith and courage. When we step into the knowing that we are spirit living this divine experience, and we have faith that nothing can happen to our spirit, our soul, 
But yeah, I mean, something might happen to our body, but I'm going to, I would rather be free in heart and mind and body than be a slave. And I will be, I will very contently die for my freedom and that of my family and my kids and my grandkids and so on. And, and since I've made that my M.O., things have been absolutely divine and magical. And, and not only is that so freeing, it also, you know, not everything has to be that superlative. A lot of times we're trading short-term gains for long-term gains. And it's like, yeah. it might be painful in the moment, but everything which gives us long-term gains is painful. When you're at the gym, when you're, when you're on the tennis court, when you're doing whatever, it's painful only in that moment. But then when you get past it, you're like, oh, wow, now I get to re you know, reap the rewards. Taking care of a garden, planting, sitting down to force yourself to do any task. You know, your body wants to be like, ah, do something else. Don't do this. Yeah. But the reason yeah. we do anything is for long-term gains. And so this translates directly to this because the fear mechanism is what tricks us into thinking there is no long-term gains. Just get out of right. this. Get out of yep. this. You know? Man. For so, sure. okay. So, like, oh, this ties right into something that's happening. I'm pretty sure. Did you see these headlines? Oh, I'm not sure if it was Iraq or Iran has already instituted a food passport system. Yeah, I think it's Iran. Yes, I did. The social credit system. Yeah. Right. So you cannot buy groceries unless you have that passport yeah. and unless you're, you've are you been approved to do so. And that is exactly what you're talking about. That's the mark. Do you have the yes, mark? Dude, it's happening here. I just for yesterday for the first time. So um, I've been acquainted to some very, very wealthy and freedom-loving people. And they're, they were out traveling. And all of a sudden, they tried to use their credit cards, and they were canceled. What? And they called up the credit card company, and you know what the credit card company said? What? Your social credit score is not high enough. We're canceling your credit card. In America, score. this happened? In Florida, yes. Get out of here. I'm not. It was mind-blowing. It's happening around the world. You know, and, and that might be an anecdotal, and, you know, I, I didn't verify that directly, but what, what you just said and what's happened in China for a long time, oh, yeah. it's already happening. Yeah. So what kind of, okay, so wow. Yeah, that, I mean, things are definitely progressing at, you know, the, you know, if you look at an exponential curve, when it starts to get steep, things happen really quick. We are in the steep portion of this curve right now yes. and things are going to happen faster than people can even keep up with you look at like you were saying they're using the pcr test now to make an excuse for slaughtering animals these food shortages are going to be happening quicker than people realize it's all going to come super fast what do we do now what's this academy jim tell us about how people can learn immediately okay so first of all number one thing is get conscious and then start growing food everybody should be growing food because it might make the difference between living and not living. Um, the Freedom Farm Academy is taking it to the next level. Freedom Farm Academy is basically creating permaculture nurseries and demonstration sites in every community around the planet because it makes sense on every level. A permaculture demonstration site is really a perennial edible landscape or the Garden of Eden or a food forest. It's perennials that take less maintenance than a lawn and they provide more and more abundance every single year for generations. There are some fruit trees and some nut trees that have been around producing for thousands of years. And not only do they produce annually a crop, but they also produce seeds so it can be literally limitless expansion of abundance. Yes. So we're designing these systems to go specifically in every zone. They'll have greenhouses. They'll have ponds where we use the water from the pond, which has fish in it, to fertigate the food forest, fertilize and irrigate. And then the fruit tree, the fruit will drop into the pond, and then bacteria and bugs will eat the fruit, and then it's got an automatic feeder system. Every one of these systems will be an ultimate stack of all of the elements of off-grid living, food, water, and energy, complete self-reliance in one small, basically, space between a half acre and an acre of land. Included in that business model will be a design service, so people that live in the area are able to get their yards designed to be food forests. And then... And there's so many other functions to it, like 
there's tree trimming services. When a tree trimmer goes out to a yard and takes a bunch of trees and blends them up into mulch, they oftentimes have to pay to deliver that that mulch somewhere. Well, we love that mulch, so they can drop it off right on our property, and then we will use that in the local community to help the community grow food. And then one of my favorite ones to dig down into the benefits of how you stack functions and, and these systems are vertically expansive and beneficial is compost tea. Do you know what compost tea is? No, tell me about it. Okay, so compost tea is just basically it's water that has compost that's bubbled up. Like, for instance, we take a 50-gallon barrel. We take a rainwater catchment system off the roof of the greenhouse, and we put the water into a 50-gallon barrel. Then we put a big tea bag in this 50-gallon barrel with compost in it. I'm just talking scraps that are a little bit decayed from your kitchen, right, that are starting to turn into soil. We bubble that up for 24 hours, and the beneficial bacteria in the water expands greatly, right, especially at about 70 degrees. Then we use that compost tea, and we pour it on the root balls of the plants, which inoculates the soil, and the plants grow much, much faster. That is awesome. So here's, and here's where it gets magical, right? And from, a, from a profitability point of view, if you go online right now and look up what is one gallon of compost tea cost? It costs $30 or something like that. Wow. Right? So you could do a whole 50-gallon barrel of compost tea for about 20 minutes of labor and about probably – two or three dollars in inputs and now you've got a a, a 50 gallons of compost tea and so instead of selling it to your community for 30 bucks a gallon you can sell it to your community for five bucks a gallon saving your community 80 percent and still having a 90 percent margin man that's awesome (laughs) yeah well, getting into the cycles of everything, I love the idea of you know cyclical farming where one thing feeds another thing, feeds another thing, and we actually close that loop. That's so beautiful, yeah. You know, and hydroponic farming started this you know experimenting, and it's gone so far. This is so exciting, man. So, where where do people go to learn about that? So, okay, so there's two people that we are attracting about this. One is the people with extra money to invest in the freedom of humanity this is the wisest investment that i'm aware of on the planet not only is it a good financial investment it can also be a good donation we are going to be running this entity where people can run these as 501c3s 508s corporations pmas whatever what we want to do is get food in the ground so if anybody out there has excess funds and you want to invest in one of these systems in your area, which, of course, could be a massive benefit to you because it creates food supply, then these systems are going to be about a million dollars in fiat. We're going to turn that fiat right into food. And by the way, we've got mega money coming in on this. We've got billionaires that are reaching out. This is going to go very fast. If you are a customer that, or a person that would like to operate one of these systems as a business, then come to us, and we will help you find the land, and we will help design and install this Freedom Academy, this Freedom Farm Academy. Now, one of the things we're going to do is for a month, during the installation of the food forest and the greenhouses, we're going to send our team to every location, and then the team will teach the person on the ground about permaculture. So by the time they're done... Each individual will be permaculture certified. Dude, that is awesome. Yeah. Wow. So is there a website that people can learn about this? Yes. So we literally just did the uh, podcast today doing the um, executive summary, which we'll be sending out here this weekend. The website in general is foodforestabundance.com. That's awesome. And, and, you know, stop me if I'm wrong here. It doesn't end with people who have property, like in terms of growing your own food. Don't you guys teach people how to grow food in every environment, right? So even if I'm in an apartment, you can teach people how to grow like microgreens in their closet. A hundred percent. The cannabis industry has taught us well. If you, I would suggest everybody start growing potatoes and sweet potatoes in five gallon buckets 
get go to go to like Home Depot or Lowe's and get a couple LED lights, maybe some shiny material for the walls, and start growing some basic foods. And the plants become incredible. They're they're air purifiers. They they become your teacher and your benefactor in so many ways. So if I were in a worst case scenario in a city in an apartment. What like what am I looking at timeline wise? If I if I immediately went out and implemented this today, what kind of investment am I going to need to make to just make a minimal, you know, system for myself? And how can I get help from you? And then what what kind of turnaround am I looking at to actually get that food? Okay, so if anybody is in a city, they're in an apartment or condo, and they really don't have the means to get out in the country, there's uh, several things I would do. One is I would. Um, well, start growing food. Um, you can start with five-gallon buckets in a closet in the side of your room. You can do microgreens. Um, and by the way, things that don't need power, I think, are important. So if you've got a window there, a way to, to light up inside, that's really good because the grid might go down. The other is to start communicating with your neighbors. Find out which neighbors are aware and ethical because I think community is going to be the way that people get through this. The other thing is to get three to six months of stored food and water. That's huge because when and if the grid does go down, then people, most people have about three days of food on, in their, on their person or in their cupboards and in their fridge. So if you can make it past that first 30, you know, three to six months and be growing food at the same time, then you can be the light for your community and your neighborhood, and you can start helping propagate their food. And by the way, this has happened many times throughout history. Oh, yeah. The Cubans, the Russians pulled out of Cuba back in 1989, and all of their subsidies went bye-bye overnight. Well, they started starving. Within 10 years, Cuba was the most food self-reliant community on the planet. They're, they're almost self-correcting... Uh, cramps for society you know and people who have not studied history don't think this can happen in America it's already happened in America multiple times I mean just think about the great dust bowl they think on uh, you know like reasonable uh, conservative estimates estimate that during the great dust bowl a million people starved to death so this has already happened in our country and when, when people hear, oh, I have to have six months of water, six months of food, I think those the, vo- the volumetrics that they start calculating in their head, you know, gets really intimidating. And I don't think people realize, to, you know, to, to save water, it, it's as simple as ordering a food-grade 55-gallon drum and filling it up in your house and keeping it somewhere. Like, what kind of food do you recommend people store up, Jim? Um, well, I'm a, you know, if you can get um, my Patriot Supply... There's, there's places that do really good organic food. If you don't have the ability to do that, or just get a lot of um, noodles and rice and canned foods, things that are dehydrated that can be rehydrated, and things that are canned. And don't pay any attention on the canned food to the expiration date. As long as the can is in good shape and it hasn't popped or warped or been punctured, as long as the oxygen is still unable to get to the ingredients inside the can, then you're probably good. Of course, smell it and taste it, but um, the expiration dates are really a scam to get people to throw away and buy more stuff. That's so true. And there's, you know, I'm a huge fan of dried beans because they store well and, you you know, they're so nutritious for you. And even in a worst case scenario, rice and beans are very easy to get right now, very easy to prepare and, and have exceptional shelf life and, um, you know, rice and beans are arguably pretty nutritious in terms of covering all your bases. So, you know, yeah. even if you're in a really bad spot, you can have a minimal supply because I, I don't know about you, but in my charting of this trajectory, I do think we're going to have real problems within the next year. I do, too. I think it's going to happen this fall. So have you heard about okay, – can, we can – you know, we've been on for a while, so we don't have to go too much longer. But on that note, have you heard about this um, this commodities market – uh, default that that I hear people talking about in the grain markets. Yes, many times people are taking physical delivery more than any time in history by far. What does that mean? That means well, <laughs> that means with 
the expected yields with all of the different input issues and weather issues and all this stuff going on, that means that there will not be the ability to fulfill the contracts, which means that the whole market is going to collapse. And so what, what potentiality does that have for the rest of you know our economy? I don't think people really realize what a big deal it is if we have a few major defaults in the commodities market. And like just so the layperson understands what this means, you know, people agree on contracts for supply chains. And if you don't meet that contract, not only is your contract in default, but you also get fined. And no farmer enters into a contract with the intention of defaulting. So not only is their production under what it's supposed to be, they're not meeting their financial goals probably. Now they're going to be fined. They could potentially lose their farm. Guess who comes in and buys it? You know, not not the good guys. So, but when if there are major defaults, what are the ramifications of that for our economy? Well, a systemic collapse, which means there is there's no more supply chain. Eventually, energy systems will shut down. All centralized systems will fail at the same basic time. Because they're all interconnected. Yes. And so this is, we're not talking about like the housing bubble pop. We're talking about something dramatically bigger. Dramatically bigger, yes. Woo, man, that's not to end on doom and gloom. What can we, what can you tell us that's uh, uplifting, Jim? Let's end on a positive note here. Well, we are, in my belief system, we're spirit living a divine experience, playing a divine game. So let's not worry about it. Let's do the best we can every day to live free to breathe free, to think free, and then to take the action steps because many people will come out of this experience so alive and invigorated. I've never been more alive in my life than I am right now. I see what's happening, and I'm taking every steps every day to live and demonstrate freedom, and it's fun to do that. So it, when, when, when we catalyze a shift in awareness, in consciousness that leads to mass adoption of simply using our resources wisely, then we create peace on earth and we end world hunger. We end mass extinction and deforestation and heart disease and diabetes and cancer. And we end tyranny on every level. This is such a cool opportunity for us to find solutions for the isolation that the internet has kind of imposed on everybody Everyone has, you know, has been so separated for so long, and it's it's such an amazing time where people are looking up, taking action, finding tribes, getting involved. You know, this is an opportunity for us to connect, and that's and it's it's in my mind, it's the it's Mother Nature and the world forcing us to do that because we yep. be, we become far too disconnected. So it yep. you know it is going to lead to an awesome outcome. Yeah. Yeah, for those of us who rise above it, who energetically rise into the new paradigm, it's going to be awesome. And that can be everybody. So don't talk yourself out of thinking that this isn't you. Everyone has an opportunity to contribute here. There are different puzzle pieces everywhere. Everybody can find their, you know, figure out where they fit. Jim, this has been awesome, man. Thank you very much. What else is there anything else you want to share with folks? How can they reach you? Where can they go? Yep, you can reach me, Jim, at foodforestabundance.com, our website, foodforestabundance.com, and we're all over social media now. We're starting to go to the um, the non-censored platforms. Um, we're big into Unite, Sayer G's platform, Unite, and uh, Foster Gamble's Thrive Solutions Hub. We're starting to get on there and everywhere else, quite frankly. Wow, thank you very much, brother. It is always a pleasure to talk to you. I always leave feeling so excited to go out and and connect with Mother Nature, and that's what it's all about. Get your hands dirty, touch the earth, take your shoes off. You don't have to go to a retreat to do that, and don't be fooled into thinking that's how you connect back with the planet. Go Go touch the ground. Love it. Awesome, brother. Have a great day. Thank you, brother. Wow, man, I love talking to that guy. Okay. So if you want more information, go check out foodforestabundance.com. You can also get more info at maverickmatthews.com. I've got t-shirts for sale there if you want to support this podcast. You can also donate at the tip jar. Um, I'm actually rolling out a coffee table book called Campfire, which should should be out pretty quickly here by the end of the week. Um, And I'm going to be making the rounds on some other podcasts. 
Uh, as an aside, I would also like to congratulate Sam Tripoli, my buddy, who was just on the Joe Rogan experience again recently. He's kicking ass. And Sam was the guy who actually connected Jim and I. So, you know, our tribe is growing. Positive things are happening. And no matter what challenges we face as a species and as a people and as a tribe, our ability to innovate and remain creative and positive will always overcome those challenges as long as we come from a mindset of abundance and not a mindset of famine. So take that to heart, carry it with you, and most importantly, thank you for being here. I'll see you next time. Wow, what a cheesy exit. It sounds like I'm on a fucking PBS, and I'll see you next time. But I will. I will see you next time, very soon. Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak.